I've flipped a lot more bullish than I was six months ago. It's time for the weekly rant, talking about the latest news, the latest price action, and whatever the hell we want. Today, we have a really good friend of mine, Jason Finlay. He's best known probably as the founder of the Aussie Crypto Roadshow. Jason, how are you, mate? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us on, mate. So let's crack into some of the interesting things that have been going on this week. So the first one is talking about Coinbase and Coinbase launching its Ethereum Layer 2 called Base. So my take on this is that this is incredibly bullish for obviously Ethereum because Coinbase decided to build on Ethereum. And compared to, I guess, its biggest competitor, Binance, who have built their own blockchain, but they built a side chain really with the BNB chain. Coinbase have decided that no, we are going to use Ethereum as the fee structure and there is going to be no token going forward. So I'm interested to understand why they did that. I mean, I know they don't want a token because they don't want to have a DAO. They don't obviously want someone else having potential control over it, which kind of makes sense to me. But then they lose the element that I guess the BNB token has, which was allowing people to have cheaper fees on their exchange. So they've lost that ability, which I think is interesting. That's something people like wanted a lot, but I guess there's probably also a little bit of sickness from that from good old FTX. And I keep keep saying I'm never going to talk about FTX again, but I keep saying it. So the FTT token was obviously around. And so there's a bit of, you know, exchanges shouldn't have those tokens, but all the big exchanges kind of do. So my main take from this one is simply that we are now allowing Coinbase's huge user base, which is like 100 million plus people, bringing them over into self-custody without them kind of even knowing it per se, but helping them on the way. And the bigger thing is that they're building them and bringing them onto the Ethereum ecosystem. That's super bullish for Ethereum in my mind. What's your take on this one, Jess? Yeah, look, I, I totally agree. Um, personally, I think it's good that they're not creating a native token. Um, yeah, there's there's pluses, like you said, about the, the fees on the platform, uh, but oh, you don't always need it. Um, I'm happy to not have it. Um, building on Ethereum, like you said, is is fantastic. I mean, obviously, to me, Ethereum's the biggest builder chain out there. Um, it's got way more built on it than any other chain. And, and look, I think it's a smart move. Um, now, they're obviously not uh, so in testing, but uh, in their test, now, I've been reading that uh, they've already processed over a million transactions, like which blew my mind from, from July 2nd. Um, you know, so for something that's not live, that's, that's already a fairly decent uh, traction happening. Yeah, you're right. I should say that it's not available to retail yet. I think they've opened the mainnet for developers and builders to start building the protocols. And so what I'm interested to see is who's ready to jump on this straight away. Because as we've seen so often with other layer twos in the Ethereum ecosystem is that the big players in the space start building on it. So you might see your Uniswaps and your Aves, your Compounds. Who else knows who's going to go, okay, I want to jump into this and I want to capture this market space. I mean, I think the big boys will because my theory of the the big DeFi players are going to just swallow up all the layer twos is going to happen. And I think base will be no different, but it allows people to get this really easy 
interaction into self-custody, easy access into DeFi. And obviously it's got Coinbase's kind of trust built into it. So I think that's kind of really positive for the space to have someone like Coinbase kind of holding people's hands into this decentralized world. Yeah, and anything that promotes self-custody and, and the entry to DeFi has has my support. I think it's fantastic. Awesome. I agree, mate. Moving on. Uniswap has launched something called Uniswap X. And this one has got me really excited because I've been waiting for this for a very, very long time because Ethereum ecosystem and bridging between the layers is difficult. It's difficult if you don't know what you're doing and a lot of people don't want to necessarily do that. So what Uniswap X is actually doing, it's creating a cross-chain liquidity. So what does that really mean? Well, it basically means that there's no bridging required. If you want to you know, change your die for ETH on Arbitrum, you could do that and it would pull the liquidity from any of the other layers. So it's kind of going to get you the best prices across all the layer twos, or all the layer twos that Uniswap has launched on and basically allow you to bring that to your layer two or your your layer of choice without needing to do the bridging or any of that. So it does it for you, which is kind of really cool and really unique. I mean, the weird thing about this, which has kind of got me a little bit unsure, is that how it does it though, is it does it off chain. So it creates like a duck auction and you put out your bid of what you want. And then there are the market people who are out there who want to try and make this happen for you do that off chain. So there's risks involved in that. Now we're supposed to be decentralized and trustless, but now we actually are integrating the element of trust into the system. So don't really know how that works. Don't really know how comfortable I feel about it. I just really like the idea of this cross-chain liquidity. Again, I mentioned it before, goes with my theory that the big DeFi players are just going to eat up everyone. So I, the other... The other big uh, DEXs out there have to try and integrate something like this or they'll get left behind because this is giving people a better experience. The one other thing that really got me excited about this is that me and Will have talked about Uniswap lots of times and they haven't turned on their fee switch yet. But in Uniswap X, they have turned the fee switch on. So this will actually start accruing fees for Uniswap holders, which is super bullish for the token holders. What's your thoughts, Chase? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, again, I mean, I'm no stranger to, to bridging, of, of, you know, bridge between chains and all that. The fact that from what I read, you can actually bridge and swap in the one transaction. It's, it's not too separate. I mean, previously I've gone from, say, Ethereum mainnet over to Polygon and I've got to swap it to ETH to wrapped ETH, then swap it for Matic. You can do all that in one transaction, which... If I'm reading it correctly, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on, on that side of it. Um, now, you're saying about the um, the off-chain stuff. Uh, the way what I'm sort of reading, um, assets are only transferred out of your account once the order is executed and you've received the other token. So that that's quite interesting. Um, obviously, normally, as you know, you normally you release the funds the transaction happens and then you receive the, the opposite end of that transaction. So I'll be interested to to see more, like you said, how that works and and what's going on with that. Yeah, you're right. But normally when you do that swap, it's all in the one block. So it will trade out of yours and it'll come back in in the one block. I don't know how this actually works on Uniswap X. 
spoiler alert or maybe teaser is more the thing is that you should check out our podcast coming out in the next couple of days because will is actually doing a much more deeper dive into this one to really you know understand this one because i think this one is a really important one so we wanted to put together a whole podcast just dedicated to this because it's really interesting uh, i think the way i see this is that if they can make this work seamlessly it breaks down so many barriers that people are seeing within the space where even the layer twos don't talk to each other, but actually now they, the layer ones and layer twos don't talk to each other. Now they actually do. And so if Uniswap X can do this with just this, then who knows what other applications can start figuring out ways to make this happen seamlessly. And that brings us closer to that step where really people start using blockchain and don't even know they're using it because it's just super easy. That's the kind of state I want to get to. All right. And, and let's on. face it, to get mass adoption, you, you need Seamless. So yeah, Absolutely. it's definitely good. Absolutely. So we are moving on to one of my favorite blockchains, and I'm pretty sure you're a big fan of this one as well. And this is Polygon. And Polygon is releasing its uh, Polygon 2.0, I think. Very amazing name. How'd they come up with that one? But the big thing, and this has been a pet hate of mine for a very long time, one of the big things of it, even though it's actually more lipstick of the whole integration is that the Matic token or the Polygon chain is going to be changed to the Pol token. So that will avoid huge amounts of confusion that I get in the space. Whenever I talk about Polygon and Matic to people, first thing they've gone asking is, hang on, that's not the same token. It doesn't, it's not the same thing because everywhere else, the non, the non, the non climature. Yeah, that's the right word for all chains is that the token represents the name or a short version of the name. So, Polygon have finally said, okay, all right, we, we give in. We're going to do it. I wish they just called it Poly. I don't know why they went with Poly. There's probably a Poly already out there. But um, just on that one, before we dig into deeps, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Is, it, is this smart for Polygon to finally get its naming rights or did it not matter? Well, I believe it was, it was originally called the Matic Network. Um, and then they changed the network name to Polygon. So now, realistically, they're just catching up with the token name to the changes made previously. Right. So they're just fixing their previous mistake. <laughs> I didn't yeah, know that. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I like the fact that you know they're, they're not, um, I guess, debasing the the, the token anyway. It's just a, it's just a one to one swap. So often when you see these kind of changes, that they um, might often change the uh, the supply. Uh, but I think they didn't worry about this because I guess the unit bias of Polygon is not really there because, you know, one Polygon's what, like 60, 70 cents. So unit bias is not there. Whereas other ones, when it's already quite large price, they might change it. Uh, the other ish interesting thing that part of doing this is that it's going to actually make Pol, the new token, inflationary. So they are going to allow it to have a 2% issuance rate over the years. So Matic is a fixed supply. There's no more to be made, but Pol will actually start issuance. So that's going to obviously help fund new developments. It's going to fund the, the, the validators for looking after the network. So this is kind of making it more aligned with ETH. I don't really have a problem with that because I guess ETH's proven that it doesn't really matter so much, or there's many chains actually really that do this. So not having fixed supply, what's your thoughts on that one? I mean, two percent. It's it's not a big number. Um, I I don't see it being a problem. Like you say, it actually, you know, is probably a, a benefit. Um, you know, 
So, yeah, I, I think if it was a higher figure, it would be an issue, but 2%, no issues at all. Yeah, because, I mean, you compare it to, like, I mean, Dogecoin, which is something like 8% or something, rather, that starts that up, and, and you can see that eat away into you, your value fairly quickly. I think the thing that might put some people off, though, is just simply the fact that economics of any chain can just be changed at the whim of the developers effectively. And that's kind of true. I mean, not this is still a vote in the Dow, so this isn't going ahead just yet. But I do have, yeah, an understanding. This is people saying, well, you can just change whatever you want in the economics of blockchain. Therefore, it has no value because anybody can do whatever they want. And I get that. And so a fixed supply going to an issuance supply, look, it's great and it's okay if it stays there and everyone's just got to trust that the DAO in general doesn't keep changing it. But my only thoughts on that is that the DAO lose value if they change it too much anyway because they are holders. So they're incentivized not to do too many stupid things. So maybe it evens itself out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I have actually downloaded the white paper. I do actually want to sit and dive into this because Polygon, I, I love Polygon. Um, I really want to get my head around all the, the nuts and bolts of this process. Um, one thing that's got me a little bit confused is um, apparently each uh, Polygon chain can vote whether or not to transfer to Pol or stay as Matic or, or whatever they're using currently. So what happens because they're saying Matic will no longer exist after that, that interim. What happens if proof of stake validators vote to keep Matic? <laughs> so we will still have the two tokens. So this is where I'd like to see a bit of clarification. Um, hence, I will be reading the white paper and 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 getting my head around it a bit deeper. But yeah, it's definitely it's looking great. Validators with Pole can actually validate on multiple Polygon chains at once. You're not picking one or the other or whatever. You can you can simultaneously be a validator on, on multiple chains, which is huge. Um, so I think the the rewards for being a validator will be be very exponential. Yeah, I, I briefly read into that as well, mate. I think you, you nailed it on the head exactly what's, what's going on there. So it's very interesting to see where it goes. And I guess we've just got to trust that the Polygon team at this point in time know what they're doing and can, de can deliver, I guess, for its holders. Moving, uh, moving on to one of my favorite DeFi protocols, and it is just, I guess, adding another layer to its offerings. And this is Aave is releasing its stablecoin Go. It is actually available now, I'm pretty sure. And there's a good couple million of them minted already. So it is very similar to DAI. It is a crypto-backed stablecoin pegged to the US dollar. I guess the big difference here is that Aave has quite a large selection of crypto assets that you can use as collateral to borrow against. So that's kind of the big divergence per se from DAI, which is mainly backed by ETH and USDC. So this is kind of interesting. This is a case of the big players again. This is the third time I've talked about it, I think, in this one podcast. The big DeFi players just keep building, keep chewing away and eating away at the liquidity, eating away at everybody else's lunch out there. Do we need another stablecoin? Don't know. What are your thoughts, Jase? I, I think there's always room for more. Um, you know, providing we don't absolutely flood the market, I, I think other options are always a benefit. Um, the centralized stable coins, you know, with, there's always fud around them. 
oh, they've de-pegged like a, a, a tiny percentage and everyone freaks out. I just see this as another stable coin. Do we need it? I kind of think no. We don't need lots, but I think the big DeFi players like this probably do. And so that's where I think that this will be successful because it's such a big DeFi player that people will use it because it's got trust. And we we always talk about in crypto that it's trustless. It's a trustless thing. Well, that's only true for the blockchain itself. The protocols themselves, we build up huge amounts of trust. There's a reason why Uniswap is so heads and shoulders above anybody else in the decentralized exchange place. Trust. And so Aave yep. is in that category as well. So I think this will be successful. I think Go will be coming up there as to one of the biggest stable coins in the industry just because of that trust level. So maybe it makes yep. it bullish for Aave token itself. I'm not really sure. Probably. Uh, but it just means more use case, more reason to want to use Aave. And we should see this one, this Go this go stablecoin start to get integrated into other DeFi applications as well. And that's the real momentum. Once it starts getting integrated like that, it's hard to stop it. So we'll see if we can get that effect going. Now we will move on to something that I think is really interesting. And I think we'll see more of this happening is that we are seeing layer one chains moving over to layer two chains on the Ethereum network. And so this is Celo chain is proposing to transition to a layer two on Ethereum. So Celo, uh, it's not something I'm hugely familiar with, but I know it was trying to allow uh, mobile phones to be used as effectively your public key and trying to allow blockchain access to anybody who has a smartphone. Something along the lines of that, not talking about Celo here, that's not the main point here. The main point here is that this was a layer one blockchain that has decided that actually their future is probably better off as a layer two on the Ethereum network. So super bullish for Ethereum as always, if others start doing this and you can understand why they gain access to the security of the Ethereum network, they can use Ethereum as the fees. So they don't have to worry about the token. I think that's a big thing that I want to see going forward is that every project doesn't need its own token. You just need to use the blockchain. And that's what I think I want to start seeing more of in the future is that there is you know, protocols that are just built and they go, no, we're not doing a token. It doesn't make any sense for us to do that. And I think if you start just building really great ideas and use Ethereum on a layer two, as you, you don't need these tokens. So I think we'll see that more in the future, but obviously it's not great from an investment perspective for individuals. Um, the other thing is obviously they're getting into the network effects of Ethereum. You get on a layer two in Ethereum network, then you are opening yourself up to the entire ecosystem and it's far and away the biggest ecosystem out there. What are your thoughts, Jace? Yeah, look, 100%. Um, I've never actually looked into CeeLo. Uh, don't really know much about them. Obviously done some some trading, but you don't need to know about them. You just look at the charts. Um, one thing I did read, though, um, CeeLo's validators will actually need to run or, or an additional Ethereum node um, once this takes effect or if it takes effect. Um which, I, again, I don't know how that would affect. Do you have to run then two separate nodes, one of each? Or, yeah, how does that translate? I guess however they have to do it, obviously they're, they're considering it's, it's a worthwhile ambition to, to take on 
because of the network effects. And I did want to mention, and I've got in our notes here, is that the other big thing that we saw of similar thing was Helium. Helium was a layer one, and it was a decentralized. Uh, it was like it was a crypto-powered wireless network. So people had the hardware in the house, and they could use the Helium network to create their own wireless network and get paid in the Helium token. So they abandoned their layer one and they moved on to Solana. And so same kind of reasons is that they realized that running their own blockchain wasn't worthwhile. It wasn't allowing them to, to scale to where they needed to. It was easier to use the scaling solutions on another blockchain and just become a project on it. So I think we're going to see things like that happen more and more. I think that as we keep going in this process, we've had like a layer two season kind of going on, just like we had layer one season in 2021. And most of those are kind of fizzled out in many ways. I mean, yeah, people might argue in plenty of ways, there's plenty of layer ones that still are running, but they've just not created those network effects. And so we don't need that in many layer ones, in my opinion. And there's still a few more coming out like the Sui and Aptos. And I just don't know how many more we need. I think we need more than one. And I think we've kind of got the two. I think we've got Ethereum, we've got Solana. I think Solana's really standing up to say, hey, I'm here, I'm gonna be around. And then, yeah, we've got polygons, which are, you know, kind of side chains, but they're still talking about becoming a layer two as well. But where I was getting at is that I think we're seeing more and more that people are accepting that I don't need to be a layer one. I don't need my own blockchain. I don't need to figure all that other stuff out. I can just leverage off the existing layer ones. And I think yeah. that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing for space. It makes it easier. It's make it simpler. When you compare it to what people know, you know, we only have... Apple, Apple, Apple computers and we have Microsoft computers basically because that's all the world could really manage and understand and accept. And there's Linux, okay. There's always the one that's a little bit out there for people who want to do some something slightly different and we'll have that in blockchain space as well. But I think that's where we're moving towards. It may not be two, may not be three. There may be a few more than that, but people will start to see the benefit of just leveraging the existing systems and starting their own. Yeah, no, 100% agree. Um, yeah. Why, why start a layer one when you can leverage the security of Ethereum? Um, the layer two solve the, the gas issues, you know, so yeah, and, and scale, scalability. So layer twos make sense. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. So let's get into just talking about the price action and where we are in the market. Because I'm really interested to hear your opinion on this, mate, because people who listen to the podcast have certainly heard mine and Will's opinion on it. And I don't want to go first here. I want to let you try and lead. Where do you think we are price-wise? you feeling bullish? Are you feeling bearish? How are you seeing the space at the moment? Look, I personally have not written off another decent-sized dip, and I'm not talking back to lows. But, you know, if, if we were to drop 20 to 30%, you know, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but I think we've got at least another six months of at least that that dip or very sideways sort of movement. Um, but yeah, I'm I've flipped a lot more bullish than I was six months ago. Uh, I think that, I mean, I, th I think the people that think that we're going to put in a new low are starting to sound a little bit crazy now. I just don't know what yeah. could possibly do that anymore. There's just anybody who had the paper hands is gone. So I think. If you're still listening to people who say we're going to put in new lows, I think ha have a good hard look because that's a really tough one to, to really understand. Sentiment to me is really starting to change. 
I mean, it's different for the likes of you and I who are in the space all the time, I guess. We get a, like a different feel for it. But even I think retail is starting to, to come around to it again. It's getting positive news. You know, we've had BlackRock with the ETF kind of news. That gets, you know, world headline news when someone like the BlackRock CEO starts talking positively about Bitcoin. So that starts to, you know, eep into the mind of the retail investor out there, which, you know, that's obviously what needed to come back for us to go into real crazy times again. And the macro environment is changing in my mind as well. You know, we're, we're seeing that everyone's feeling the cost of living issues and obviously inflation has been biting everyone, but the markets are a bit more forward looking. I think the markets are starting to price in that that's actually we're past, you know, max pain in, in cost of living kind of inflation issues as well. So I think that's turning and the markets are recognizing that and the markets are usually a little bit ahead of everybody else. They're definitely ahead of retail. Yeah. And so we're seeing that. Having said that, price-wise, yeah, I'll, I'll, I think we're sideways still for a while. I don't think down 20 30% is any, anything out of the realm, that's for sure. It's going to be looking a lot like 2019. It always has this year where we have gone up and down. But when you zoom out that bit, it's fairly sideways in the grand scheme of crypto. I think the thing I'm still looking for and I still think is going to really occur more, I do think Ethereum is going to lead the market more We've got the Bitcoin halving, so we got that coming up as well, which is going to help. I just feel that when you look at, you know, the the burn of Ethereum that's going on, and that it's currently deflationary because of that. And when you think about how much more transactions there will be on the Ethereum blockchain once people start getting more and more interested, we're going to see that deflation more. So I think we're really going to see Ethereum push. And remember, Ethereum never put in another low in, de- in December, in November, sorry, 2022 after the FTX collapse. So Ethereum is a year past its bottom now. So Ethereum hit its bottom first, never went back down there. So I do feel that Ethereum will lead this next bull market more. Well, t- typically, bull market runs start with Bitcoin, flows to Ethereum having a, a good run, and then onto alts. Do you, do you think that will maintain that sort of rhythm this time or maybe Ethereum might lead the run? I don't think it'll be as clear cut as it was last time. We had a lot of different drivers to allow that. Like 2017, the driver for Bitcoin having a huge run first was because everything was priced in Bitcoin. So if you wanted to get into an altcoin, people had to buy Bitcoin first. So that was the real driver of 2017 of having a huge disparity. Plus... You know, your Ethereum is really coming to, you know, fruition. Then they're really, really only starting to have their use case and be proven that there was value in it. So 2021, I think we started to see Ethereum stand up and say, no, I, I am here. But it had contenders. And so there was a lot of people going, oh, Ethereum was kind of first to market on the smart contract base. So maybe it's not going to win maybe there is an ETH killer out there but people aren't talking about ETH killers anymore that that terminology is gone so ETH has stepped up ETH is a blue chip in my mind and in most people's mind I think so it doesn't need to play that game anymore and it hasn't because I said it didn't put in a low at the same time as Bitcoin so will it entirely lead the market no will the flipping happen this cycle maybe probably but I don't think it needs Bitcoin to go first and then Ethereum and then the alts. I think there's plenty of money seeing the value in Ethereum. You can earn a yield on Ethereum now. So there's plenty of people seeing value in Ethereum. And so, yeah, it very well may push further 
faster than Bitcoin. Yeah, I I believe so too. Um, I think if I had to only choose one of those two, I, I would be holding more Ethereum than I would be Bitcoin. 100%. Yeah, in, in my personal portfolio, I hold very minimal Bitcoin now because I think the risk to reward on Ethereum is far superior. And at the end of the day, I'm here to, I'm an investor, I'm here to make money. And I think that the best risk to reward ratio is in Ethereum right now. So I'm putting my, my money where my mouth is. But that's not to say the others won't do well. And I'm certainly not saying other coins won't do better. There's going to be things that do way better than Ethereum, but there's just a higher risk involved in that. So it will do better than Bitcoin, Ethereum will. But I think the risk is just as minimal as Bitcoin. So that's where I'm hedging myself and that's where I'm you know, placing a lot of my bets. But I think the whole market sentiment is changing. The Ripple announcements kind of start seeing, we're starting to see good news promotes more good news. And so, yeah, I'm bullish on the market. I'm really bullish. And I think it's a really good time to be in the space. It's a really good time to be invested in the space. It's a really good time to double down your convictions because the worst is behind us. There's no doubt about that. So it's time to start, you know, thinking about those longer term plans and long term strategies and starting to make your positions. Yeah, definitely. Now, now is when you should be buying. Um, 100% agree. Decent DCA strategy from here on out would, would be ideal. Absolutely. Well, we have gone over time there, mate. So let's leave it there. But thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for helping out on the weekly round in Will's absence. Uh, yeah, great having you, mate. Thank you very much for having us on.